After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from Bayer. And uh, welcome back to our book talk segment of the show. Uh, really a great pleasure right now to have a chance to talk with really a man who has uh, really been in television from, uh, well, I won't say from the beginning, but uh, for a long time. He's one of the legendary producers in television. Of course, shows going back to the original uh, Judy Garland variety show back in the early 60s and a great uh, uh, shows, uh, the early Grammy shows, and of course, uh, the one that people probably most remember is Laugh-In, of course, Real People as well, and many other shows. We're joined today by uh, George Schlatter, and he's got his memoirs out now called Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy, and he joined us by telephone for a few minutes to kind of chat about the book, reminisce a little bit about uh, television and uh, what he's doing today, and uh, George, great pleasure to talk to you. How are you today? Nice to talk to you. That list of credits sounds like I must be 2,000 years old. No, you're not quite Mel Brooks yet. <laughs> Age yet. Right? No, no, no. But, <laughs> no. but uh, I did the first thing that Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner did, the 2,000-year-old man. So when you, when you start looking through my credits, it sounds like I'm 2,000 years old and I did television when it started. It's just I've done a lot of stuff. But that's what I put in the book. I sat down with Martha, and for a long time I would just tell stories, tell stories, and she kept writing it and writing it. Put it all together, then we gave it to John Max, who put it uh, together, edited it out so that it made sense, and that's what resulted in the book still laughing. I, I tell you, I read the book, and, I mean, I started it, and I just wanted to keep reading it. I had to kind of go back to work every once in a while, but it's that type of book you feel like you're sitting in a room with you telling these stories, so you really captured that voice. I mean, the, the writer captured your voice. Yeah, the, the... Well, that's what we wanted to do, because there's so much stuff out there that doesn't make you feel good. You know, so many things that you can get angry at or upset with. And I just wanted to tell stories about some of my more uh, pleasant, happy, memorable moments. There were other things that are not in the book, but it's just as well. What's in the book is what I remember that was fun and happy. I wanted to talk before we get into some of the shows uh, like Laughing and Judy Garland and Real People. Uh, I had a chance to watch online. I think you put these up not too long ago. Uh, the two episodes that were actually completed of uh, a show you did in 1969, I believe, called Turn On. I, I thought they were very good. Which remains one of the most controversial moments in television. Uh, I did turn on, and uh, we they wanted to do another show. They were laughing was hit, and so they said, well, do something else. And I said, well, I'd like to do a show that blows all of the rules and walls and whatever. So they said, okay. So I did turn on, and uh, uh they raved about it. Everybody raved about it. The commitment went from 13 shows to 18 shows. But a guy in Cleveland wanted to keep Peyton Place on the air, and he started calling stations saying, we can't, got to get rid of this show. So as the show went across the country from New York, 
uh, to California. By the time I got to California, it had been canceled after 15 minutes. <laughs> so it remains one of the most controversial television shows ever, and I'm proud of it. But now they they found in the archives, they found some of the old shows. We did eight, but they found uh, two of them. And so now some kids have said they found the shows and they're looking at them, and they find them very amusing. It was it was revolutionary. Well, it was really, I mean, I, I, I started watching Laughing. I was a kid. I'll tell you about that when we, we start talking about that show. But I don't remember that. But I've seen yeah. interviews with Tim Conway talking about it. And I tell you, it was way ahead of its time. I mean, you really have it almost ahead of its time in today's standards. It really worked. It was it is, it is, it is a little doing first, you know. <laughs> but it worked. It's a little progressive even today, and I'm proud of it, you know. Because so much of what we do is done, copy something else. And Turn On didn't copy anything. It was just an adventure. But I mean, and and the adventure part is when they uh, called it. There's nothing in it that's offensive, you know, a little risque, but what's wrong with that? But I thought it was, uh, I don't know why people complained about it. But, but they complained about it. This, remember, this is 40 years ago. That's true. They complained about the, the visual, the excitement, the uh, energy of it, the brevity of it, the uh, uh, the fact that we did things. We said, don't go away. We'll be right back. We dipped the black and came back and said, see, we told you we'd be right back. <laughs> the network got very upset. You just told the audience to tune out. I said, no, I told them to come back. <laughs> it was things like that. We broke all the rules. Yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> Well, I hope they and, and they loved them. it at first. There was one guy. I, I hope they find more of them. You said you did eight. You have eight in the can, so there should be some more coming out. Maybe yeah. one. Yeah, great. Well, there's no, there's two of them that they found now and put together, so that we can find the two. I don't think the rest of the eight uh, ever surfaced because oh, okay. uh, they loved the show when they saw it. Everybody loved the show, but then this guy in Cleveland got everybody nervous, and so they started <laughs> started canceling it. <laughs> it remains the shortest TV series in the history of television, and I am enormously proud of it because it broke all the rules visually and, and the whole content of it, the whole look of it. Everything was very progressive and revolutionary so you don't know it's one of my i'm sorry if you don't know it's 1969 you almost think it was done you know a week ago the production value yeah yeah well it was you so you can imagine what it was like in 1969 when that thing just kind of exploded on the air right and uh i was thrilled we had had an opening night party uh, in the bistro out in California, and the opening night party became the closing night party too. You know, <laughs> but it's just one of one of the. See, I've had I've had been, I've been very very lucky because I got into television at the right time with the Dinah Shore show and then the Judy Garland show and the Grammy Awards and all of that, and it was uh, the success allowed me to try new things, new ventures, new new opticals, new vision, you know, a new uh, way of visualizing television. So I'm proud of some of. Them. Some of those shows, and particularly, that's what's in the book. It's still laughing the fact that my mistakes became uh, things I'm most proud of. You talk about the Judy Garland show, another show that uh, fortunately is yes. online. I, I wasn't around; I was two or three years old when it was on, but I got to watch most of those episodes. I know it went through a lot of changes in that one year, but I think you were at the beginning, right? Where the first four or five episodes you, you produced, right? I did. I, I signed to do the Judy Garland show, and nobody thought she'd ever showed up. And uh, um, my first meeting with her was really an adventure because I didn't know I was going to meet her. It was like 9 o'clock at night, and they called me to come down to Mike Dan's office. And 
and there was Judy Garland. I was amazed because she was so tiny, yeah. and I didn't know what to say because you remember this is uh, I was what twenty years old. So I said, uh, uh, Miss Garland, I don't care what you may have heard about me. There's no truth to the rumor that I'm difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and she laughed. She said, You're difficult. I said, See, even you've heard it. She says, Never mind. Let's go have a drink. So we went out and we had a bottle of Leap for Milch. And laughed, and I found out that the secret to Judy was uh, making her laugh. You touch that funny button, and you could get anything. So I did outrageous things with Judy, and uh, nobody thought she'd do two shows, and we wound up doing those five or six shows in six weeks. Yeah. And uh, but they they then said that's not what we want. We want they wanted me to do what I had done with Dinah Shore. And I said, but Judy Garland is not dinosaur. Dinah does a whole different thing. Judy's a whole different energy level and a whole different approach. And so they wanted her to be doing dinosaur, so I got fired. Yeah. Well, another one of my misadventures. <laughs> but the shows that we did, the shows that we did, they wouldn't air them, you know, kind of right back to back because they were really the best of Judy. And we did Judy and, and uh, uh, Liza. And it was every show was an event with Judy, and uh, I'm very proud of those <laughs> those shows. And some of my some of my shows that would be ranked by by anybody else as disasters are the shows I'm most proud of. You know, <laughs> I tell you, if if they had done maybe three specials a year with her, maybe four, I think. Obviously, she had other problems going on in her personal life, but other than that, I think she would have been in TV maybe five, maybe ten, maybe fifteen years if, if they did three or four a year rather than that one season. And I don't know if you agree with that, but just looking at it, I think well, she would have been better served. She, she, she. Once you got Judy's attention, she was. She had great endurance and energy, and but she was troubled. She, uh, she had been troubled when she was a child, and they. Uh, you know, when she was doing those early shows, they never told her. She was on with Mickey Rooney. Right. And they never let him see the shows. And they just did work and work and work. So she, her early life, uh, they used her. They knew she was an event. And they never really let her grow up. And uh, no. the things I did with her, she was grown up and funny and outrageous. And uh, um, and they were, those, those shows ranked today as some of the best Judy Garland shows, unfortunately. Fortunately, it wasn't what the network wanted, so I got fired. That's part of uh, still laughing. I know the the network. Just reading about that show and hearing about it, they meddled. I mean, they meddle anyway. Networks, unfortunately, but they, they meddled way too much with her. I just should have left left you guys alone. <laughs> well, I and uh, they said they said we want you to do what you did with Dinah. I said, but Judy Garland's not Dinah Shore. Wow. Dinah is another thing. She's very special. Whatever. Let Judy alone. And so uh, we did. And I, I treasure those shows with Judy. I treasure my turn on shows a lot of the things that uh, did not work are the things i'm almost the most proud of laughing they weren't going to air the pilot of laughing they saw the thing of laughing and they said oh no no this this makes no sense i said right (laughs) no but it's too fast it's we we can't understand it i said we ran the show for some kids in the sixth grade and they understood it so they're brighter than you are so putting laughing on the air was a another major major problem but again they had nothing else to put on the air so they did it kind of reluctantly until it hit then it became huge I saw the the pilot episode is on YouTube. I had never seen that before. From nineteen, I think it was uh, nineteen sixty seven. He did the the one yeah. shot in the summer. Yeah, right? yeah, and that kind of set the yep. tone. Yeah. And uh, 
and it was uh, um, they had another adventure. <laughs> it's, they had nothing to put on opposite uh, Lucille Ball and Gunsmoke. Right. And so uh, they said, we, we need something to put on there until we get a real show ready. And I said, well, I've got this show I'd like to try. And they said, go ahead. And so I did the show, and they didn't really even pay any attention to it. But they knew it uh, was revolutionary. They said, well, this doesn't look like a television show. I said, right. <laughs> and uh, they weren't going to air uh, laughing either. But they came on the air because they had nothing else. And by the end of the third week, the audience found it. And then the, uh, the ratings got huge. And, uh, uh, and at that point, I know you won't believe this. No one would believe that and with the rating like we were getting and the reaction we were getting that I had become arrogant. <laughs> I, I was, I was impossible. It was not difficult. I was impossible. And all the things in, in Laugh-In were truly revolutionary, the multiple images and the sound effects and all of that. But it was, it was something we weren't used to looking at. The problem with television today is everything looks the same. You know, Saturday Night Live is the same exact format every week. Right. And, uh, we need somebody to come on with some adventure, some energy, some outrage, some uh, need something that demands your attention. Because television, you can listen to it now. Well, you had to invent and, uh, the way of video editing back then when there really wasn't the equipment to do it, right, for that show. Yeah, we, had, we shot the show on tape, <clears throat> transferred the tape to film, and edited it on film so we could have edge numbers and do those very, very fast cuts, yeah. and then edited the tape to match the film. It took four weeks to edit one of the other things on laughing. Right. Again, it was it. the problem became the answer, you know? The adventure of doing that show and the people we put on, and John Wayne, and we, see, nobody wanted to do the show. We didn't have any money, so we would stop people in the hall <laughs> and ask them, and John Wayne said, I'm not going to do that show with those crazy people. We put that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we would stop people in the hall coming back from the Johnny Carson show you and put them on. And, and, uh, NBC, right. Yeah. In Burbank, yeah. yeah. And they would stop in the hall and we would talk to them. And that became the cameos, became our guest stars. So, see, what I miss today, I miss somebody. I miss somebody that was as, as outrageous as we were allowed. We were not allowed to be, but we were. Uh, they, uh, reluctantly, they were reluctant to put the show on air. They said people will not understand the show. I said if they watch it, then they, they. I don't care whether they understand it as long as they're watching it. So it was so fast and so contemporary and so politically uh, off balance that uh, the audience found it and when the audience found it then it just exploded I mean, we got a 50 share you get a, you get a five share today but we got a 50 share 50 share about 40 million people a week i would think that yes, translated it did. To, right yes yeah. it did yeah and one of the great casts and, and then, in history too i mean one of the great uh, ensemble casts of all time yes yes and we because all of none of those people were were uh sought after i mean goldie was a dancer lily was doing a barefoot uh, tap dance when i found her and she didn't want to do the show because she didn't she didn't know what it was but lily came in and just all of these characters started just appearing just we were born and lily and goldie and lily and uh joanne and ruth and uh all of those people were not variety performers. They were uh, unique personalities, and uh, 
There wasn't anybody like that on television. That's why those people appeared. Artie Johnson would appear in one show, you know, six or eight characters, and Ruth Buzzy and Joanne Worley. They all appeared multiple times in the same show because of the way we shot it and the way we edited it. So you could see Goldie five different times within one show, you know. So it was an adventure. I miss, I miss the, I'm still laughing. As I look back at it, I am still laughing because I had a good time. The audience had a good time. And uh, the only ones that really had trouble with the, the network, the network censors, yeah. they, they you know, did not approve of much of what we did. Well, I was one of those kids that watched the show as a kid, and then uh, now in more recent years, you can watch them uh, on streaming. And I tell you that, you know, I mean, obviously there's some dated material, but it still holds up. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I'm proud of that. You know, I'm proud of the, I'm proud of the fact that it was unique. It was an adventure. It didn't just happen. It kind of exploded. And it was compulsory viewing. I mean, we put it on Monday night. Yeah. And... Uh, I mean, they, they, uh, people said they had to stay home and watch it. <laughs> and so I, I wish I wish there was something like that on the air today. I wish there was some adventure. I wish there was a, a new me, a young man that would be outrageous and irreverent and impudent and, <laughs> and a little bit crazy. <laughs> You know, the writers were crazy. TV, unfortunately, I mean, uh, I don't watch network TV at all, except for maybe some sports occasionally. But you got to go back and watch some of the old shows that are available on streaming to really enjoy TV now. It's kind of sad to say that. Well, it's there, and uh, it's part of the history. And uh, you know what's going to happen? Most of the improvements in television have come from a, a, a period of disaster. When we did Laugh-In, there was nothing to put on opposite Lucy or Gunsmoke. Right. And they were getting no rating at all. So in that environment, you were allowed to try anything, and we did. And when the audience saw this, this is not what we're used to seeing, they gravitated. That would happen again today. People come out today with, with a show that would just be new people, new ideas, new looks, because now today we have the editing uh, technology that we didn't have then. Right. So I would love to see somebody come on and just um, sock it to them, as they used to say. <laughs> I, I should have mentioned George worked uh, before television. You actually booked acts into Las Vegas and then into a club in uh, L.A. called Ciro. So you knew a lot of these people that you yes. on these shows, right, before that, before television. Well, yeah, that was kind of an adventure, too. I mean, I worked at the Frontier Hotel in Vegas, and I worked at Ciro's, and uh, it was funny because uh, somebody ran in the paper that I had been a bouncer, and uh, <laughs> Jolene didn't want to hear that, you know. So uh, I released the story that I had been an executive in charge of emergency departures. <laughs> she said, still sounds, still sounds like a bouncer. <laughs> but... Uh, but that and so booking those acts and zeros in the frontier put me in touch with all of the comedy performers at that time, you know, Buddy Hack and you know, and uh, uh, and that was an adventure uh, to bring Davis them Jr. into television. You became friends with Sammy Davis Jr. from that era, right? From the that's 90s. right. That that's it. But uh, the, Sammy, I mean, Sammy was again outrageous. I mean, it was a young black tap dancer coming on and doing impressions of white people. Right. And that was uh, disturbing to some people. But when they saw it, then they said, wow, I like this. You know, we had Dean and Frank and Sammy all on the same show working together. And 
they, they say, well, where's the script? I said, we haven't done the script. They said, but you're taping the show. I said, right. <laughs> <laughs> and we would come on and just do it. Is that where yeah, you I would, I would Somewhere. Some, what? Is that where you met Rowan and Martin, too, in the nightclubs? Or Vegas? Yeah, well, Rowan and Martin were, did a very, very good nightclub act. And I wanted to do this show uh, with all of these young character people. And they wouldn't buy it unless I put a host on it. So Rowan and Martin were older and uh, did a straight act. And so they disturbed the content, the format, less than anybody. So they came in and they were straight and charming and attractive and older. And then the show kind of happened around them, right. you know. And uh, that made they they made a without thinking about it at the time they made a great contribution because they were the only moments of sanity in that uh, right. whole format and it worked. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. But it was Timex wanted to, you know, wanted hosts, so we put Rowan and Martin in it and it worked. And they. Uh, they were never too happy with it, but they had worked. I was surprised reading the book that they didn't get along too well, right? I mean, a lot of the comedy teams, I guess that's a common common thread, isn't it? They didn't get along too well off camera or off stage? Well, they got along. They got. It was just that they were not close friends. I mean, they were. They, they worked together, and and they were splitting up. By the way, at the time we did the Laugh in Pilot, they were not. They were going to split up. Oh, really? So we put it on. It was going to be their last last appearance, and then they came on, and it just exploded. They came on, and surrounded by this group of crazy young character people, and uh, you you found them fascinating. Dan was straight, and Dick was confused, and then around them was all of that insanity so when you think back you say well of course but uh, to sell it was a real reach <laughs> you know the network and the censors gave drove the censors crazy they came on you can't say this you can't say that <laughs> by the time we said we couldn't say this we'd already said that you know that, that was fun the, the game we played with the censors was part of the, the fun part of the adventure because they were very very, very nervous and um, the language and the speed of it, because it felt even more bawdy than it was. But some of the jokes went so fast that they, by the time they understood the joke, we were on to another Next joke one, that right? they didn't understand. Well, paint, painting it was fun. We, Judy Carn in bikinis—that that was outrageous for the time. <laughs> yes, yes, and Gold. I mean, you know, did you ever see in your life a more adorable child than Goldie? Oh, no doubt. And then, and then Lily came in with all of those characters. You know, when a phone call from Ernestine, when she called the White House, people were afraid to get a phone call. <laughs> Is this the party to who I am speaking? And she would call politicians, political leaders. And uh, they were very nervous about getting a call from Ernestine. But, see, it was part of the adventure. The reason I called the book Still Laughing is I had a good time. And the audience had a good time. And the cast had a good time. And then the censors didn't have a good time. And the network was always very, very nervous about it. You know, uh, one of my favorite things that's in the book. But they sent a new censor out. who was a super censor. His name was, uh, you know, he came out. And um, he said, uh, one of the meetings, he said, George, you can't say caca. You, in the script, you have caca. And I said, yeah. He said, well, you can't say caca. And I said, why? He said, well, you know what caca means? I said, no, I don't know what it means. What, what's caca mean? I don't know. 
I said, well, you know, caucus like, like doo-doo. I said, I can't say doo-doo either. Well, the discussion with the censor about <laughs> not being able to use the words caca or doo-doo, that became a show. You know, it was – and and that, that constant conflict – Seeking us, we were never seeking a solution. We were avoiding solutions, <laughs> and that's what's in the book. That's why, <laughs> and that's why the book's called Still Eleven. I I had a good time. I really enjoyed myself well, and Goldie tell. and Lily and Ruth and and uh, uh, when I look back at it in, in writing the book, uh, I, they wanted a regular bio, and I said no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get into all of that. I said I'll just do funny. Recollections. So the whole the whole book is just me recalling funny moments. Not all of them successful, by the way. Um, but even my even my failures wound up uh, making me laugh. I think you your know, show, the the Laughing some... Show, I would say the Laughing Show, as opposed to the Smothers Brothers, which I watched as a kid too. They kind of lost the funny along the way. You did political humor, but it still wasn't the whole point of the show. It was a little bit of the show. It wasn't all of the show. Would you? I, I was the biggest fan. I was the biggest fan of the Smothers Brothers. We were very very good friends. Yeah. And the difference between me is Tommy would fight him. And I would say, oh, you're absolutely right, and then do whatever I wanted to, and then say, oh, I didn't understand. <laughs> and so to do it. Tommy, Tommy, who I just loved Tommy, we were good, good friends. And he, unfortunately, Tommy, I think, took the rap for much of what we did, you know. But uh, we needed, we were in a Vietnam War. It was like right now, we're in a war. The Vietnam War, nobody would even mention it. Well, we were making fun of that, and... Uh, um, and it made the network nervous. However, the network was selling the show and getting more money for it than any other uh, minute on television. And so greed overcame their sense of taste. And, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so that that's why the book is called Still Laughing. I mean, when I went back, when I started to do a book, I wanted to do something, but I didn't want to do the normal thing because it's boring. So I went back and my sister, <laughs> Uh, sitting in here with Donna, she would sit down and take these notes. Martha would sit down and take notes and then reduce them. And we give it to John Max, who's probably the best television writer around, and said, John, can you just reduce this? And so he took uh, my comments and notes and comments and uh, then extracted them and put them together into some kind of sense. <laughs> and that's why the book, the book is the book is is kind of scattered and it's kind of machine gun, you know, because just all these little, you know, sequences that don't really make sense except when you put them all together, they're just entertaining to reflect back on my what I call my long and suspicious career, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great read. I mean, I again, I could have read it in one sitting, but I had to, <laughs> to do a little work in between. But again, we won't keep you much longer. I'd love to talk to you for more, but uh, just to mention a couple of the other shows, Real People, which you did not long after Laugh-In, kind of was revolutionary in its yes. own right, wasn't it? Yes, real people. Yes, that was that was that was an adventure too. You know, taking people on the street and making them entertaining. And uh, you did read the books, didn't you? You son of a gun! I, I love show business story. Yeah, my my uncle was in show business, so I you know I, I love show business. <laughs> well, you, it's a good it's a good thing to love. You know, because we all need we all need a release. And and part of what my career was based on is these funny moments and accidents. You know, and then getting fired. And, uh, and the censors coming down on me. You know, we had our own resident censors. 
And while we were meeting with one sensor at one end of the rehearsal hall, meeting with another sensor at the other end, we were taping the things that they told us we couldn't that's do. Right. <laughs> and that sense of outrage, that sense of, of that sense of being impudent, you know, if you can imagine a thirty-year-old impudent. <laughs> but uh, and what I I miss today, I miss everybody's wearing black, and the sets are black, and the lighting is black, and I miss. Uh, the the and, and I miss the things today are long. I miss the brevity that we were able to uh, right. exhibit, and uh, so that I, I, you did read it. And I'm proud of you. I, I'm proud. Well, you, you mentioned <laughs> I the did my there. first book, and next year I'm going to read another one. Huh? The the laugh-in set. You just kind of brought back the memory to me again. The laugh-in set was revolutionary in its own right. The joke wall and and the wild colors. Nobody ever did that before. That that was different. No, and nobody does it now. Everything nobody you see now is right. dark colors. Right? Yeah. But that, and the joke wall was the way that we could stop people in the hallway coming back from the Johnny Carson show and put them into that wall. So not all of the people were on stage at the same time, but they all just kept appearing, popping out of that joke wall. And uh, uh, that was an adventure. <laughs> and uh, So, so I, what I would love to see is somebody with my checkered background, right, come out with the same sense of outrage because we need it now. You know, when you realize, when you look at the thing with Donald Trump, you realize that just the great, great, great premise for comedy with, uh, you know, Trump. I mean, seriously, you know, he needs a drummer. <laughs> well, would I be having a ball with Donald Trump, hey? But uh, there's no late night comedy anymore. I mean, the late night show. I stopped watching them pretty much after uh, Carson retired. I watched a bit of Letterman, but the comedy of those shows left, uh, in my opinion. It's not the same. There's no place to do it anymore. You know. Well, they, they, there's no place to learn it. They, they they have the stand-up comics, and they all do that obligatory five or six minutes, and uh, um, you you just you miss. The sense of adventure. They come out and they do the subject matters, but they all wear dark clothes, dark right. suits, dark sets, and, and uh, there's no color in the sets. And it's all dark. The subject matter is not funny, you know. No. So I don't know whether the senses have taken over or whether the audience. But I believe that the audience is going to revolt, and they, they are. They're tuning off of television. But eventually, somebody's going to come back on like a new Smothers Brothers. Right. And uh, like Robin Williams. Robin Williams was amazing. He just exploded when we put him on the air. I remember that, yeah. And, uh and uh, you had him on the uh, I found Robin. You had him on the new laugh end, didn't you? Before he went on Mork and Mindy. Yes, yes. Well, Robin, I saw Robin on the streets in San Francisco. He was barefoot, and he was uh, he had barefoot, and he had a straw hat and a fishbowl and overalls, and he had the fishbowl out. And he says, "I had the fishbowl out over the audience," and said he was fishing for assholes. <laughs> well, we put that, we put that on, and uh, when he met Sinatra, see nobody had seen. Robin and so we put him on and we put him on with different stars Robin Williams was an absolute genius but even putting him on became a problem because the network said well what's he going to say I said I don't know yeah. he doesn't know what he's going to say I don't <laughs> care what he's going to say cause, and uh, that sense of abandon uh, is what I I enjoyed and what I looked at and what I hope we captured in the book of still laughing about we were still laughing I still am yeah. um, and I'm still having a good time you know 
Name of the book is Still <laughs> Laughing, A Life in Comedy from the creator of Laughing, George Schlatter, and uh, also a forward by Lily Tomlin. And George, well, God bless you. You sound great. I won't tell you your age. I know you talk about it in the book, but you sound like you could uh, go back in there and keep working on TV for another 20 years. I keep thinking, <laughs> I keep thinking about coming back and giving them one more shot, you know, uh, because I think we need it now. If there's a way for us to survive our present dilemma uh, with comedy and with material and with subject matter and with political scene, if we are, is there a way to survive, it will be with laughter. And uh, let's hope there's a Robin Williams or Johnny Carson or, uh, you know, out there that will bring it out there. And it will be something outrageous that there will be new and there, there will be a problem for the censors and the sponsors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there will be. And, then, but, and yeah. that'll wake them up. George, real pleasure talking to you. Hopefully we can do it again. God bless you and uh, your wonderful life. I know your wife. You talk about her in the book as well. So God bless her. And hopefully we can talk to you again. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you. This was great fun. Thank you. We'll do it again. Great. Thank you, George. If, if I don't get you canceled or something. No, okay. I think I'm, can I'm, I'm uncancelable, I think. <laughs> thank you, George. Hey, 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 hey. Cherish that. Cherish it. Use it. That's it. Surprise them. <laughs> Take it easy. Okay, buddy. Talk thank you. you. Bye now. Bye.